Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton. And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Katie and I are going to be talking about the questions to ask a financial advisor. And we've been handing out this list of questions on our website and, and in different forms for years and years. But we just came back from a conference, Katie, the Wealth Management Edge Conference. A lot of great takeaways from it, one of which really jumped out at us that we might be advising clients not to ask the right questions at this point. And I think the questions that we put out there are good questions. And just for a little bit of background, we often would have new clients or new families come to us. They'd say, I don't even know how to figure out who I should be working with. Like, what are the good questions to be asking? And so we decided a while back that we're going to put together a list of questions that may be good to ask a financial advisor, not even just us, but, but anybody that you may be speaking with to help benchmark where your strong fit is. And so many of the questions that we have, which I think are still good ones for understanding the makeup of the business mm -hmm. are things like, what type of firm are you? Are you a broker? Are you an, a registered investment advisory firm? You know, are you a certified financial planner? Do you have anything on your record? I mean, those are all important things to ask, but might not be getting to the core of what's going to make a strong relationship, a strong advisory relationship. And that came very clear when we said yes. in, we sat in a wonderful session um, with Sally Krawcheck and, and Dennis, why don't you share how she kind of brought that to light with us and brought upon those aha moments. Yeah. So it's a nine o'clock session in the morning at 11 o'clock, we're scheduled to record a podcast about the questions for a financial advisor and Sally, who's got a diverse background in wealth management at, at Merrill, at Smith Barney, uh, and now at Elevest, she gets up and says, if you're asking about CFP, independence, planning focused, it's all table stakes. There's nothing that differentiates you and, and your clients don't know what you're trying to do. If that's all you're talking about, we went, oh boy, here we go. So we revisit <laughs> So this is the second go at our <laughs> podcast about questions to ask a financial advisor, because really it has to get deeper than that. You know, when somebody walks in and, and starts to, to really bear their soul and their balance sheet to talk about the things that are important to them and how money can go to support their, their best life and their relationships and everything else, that's a really vulnerable spot. And if we're coming back with things like, I'm a CFP, I work with this number of people, this is how my business is designed, that's great, but it's not meeting them where they are. It's not the advisor adding the why behind what they do and really creating that vulnerability that goes both ways in a relationship to get started. So we're gonna revisit our questions for a financial advisor and go to that deeper next level. So if you're thinking about interviewing someone, you're trying to figure out if your advisor is the right fit for you, what kinds of things should you be asking? Katie, I think one of the first questions that somebody should ask is, why are you in this business in the first place? What's your why? Yeah, that is so important because not only does that get at, you know, their, their passion and their drive, but also, the experience and how the advisor may have lived it or witnessed it. And, and so much of that just, just really does drive that connection. I would say for me, one of my primary whys is 
just witnessing in families where financial plans have gone sideways. Mm-hmm. And very personally, within my extended family, there was a, a situation where we had a, a family member pass away without a will, without insurance, and really with no communication with their spouse. And just seeing the trajectory of their life do a 180 and come to terms with reality of, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't ask enough questions. And we've seen that, unfortunately, with family soon that shows up in so many different ways, whether it's totally unintentional. It might be, it might be the, the state documents say one thing, but then beneficiary designation say something else. And all of a sudden, you're on totally different pages. And so I think any time that concern of life being flipped around without somebody's knowledge and being blindsided by it, that that's my why, because I've seen the challenges of that. And I, I don't want that to happen for the families that we work with or anybody. I think mine goes back to what I initially thought I was getting into and becoming an advisor, you know, joining a large Wall Street firm, being trained up there, really having it be an investment focused proposition. And I thought when I was going to be working with clients, I was going to be fixing the investment side. I was kind of looking for something to fix. What I realized, and and this kind of comes to the reasons why we even founded a firm in the first place, is that too much of that was happening in a vacuum and it wasn't focused enough on the outcomes of the clients and the relationship. And when we founded this firm, it was really rooted in the client experience, rooted in planning and really fixing the way the industry addresses the needs of families and couples and spouses. And that was a, that took a long time to migrate. It turned into something that was really a mission to try and design it. And really we found that in, in founding a firm and putting that together. Every advisor is gonna have their origin story. You and I have very different backgrounds and, and how, how we arrived at this, what looks like the same place. We have the same credentials, we, you know, <laughs> we were you know, on paper, we look like the same person, but you kind of come out from different ways and find your why. So I think it's an important thing to ask, ask an advisor. I think there's a set of questions that are check the block questions. Once again, you, you need to understand how their business is structured, how they work with clients, how often you communicate, all of those things. But then there's almost like the, the humanistic questions. Mm-hmm. I think that is the, the why. When you're speaking with an advisor, are they answering your questions or are they simply providing a canned response? to listen very closely to that human connection because on the front end, 80% of the work that we do is going to be checking a lot of those boxes, but the really meaningful work is going to come through that human connection. So as close as you can get to feeling that comfort level there and how you communicate under stress, I think is, is so important. Yes. It's the way to get to trust more quickly. I was asked a question just earlier this year, prospective clients were sitting with us and there were two advisors in the meeting. And one of the spouses looked at me at one point and said, what are you good at? And at first I didn't understand exactly what she was getting at, but her point was, there are two of you in this meeting, either you're duplicate or you're going to hand me off to someone else, or you're each good at something. And I want to understand what you're good at and what he's good at and how this is going to work. I thought, wow, that's a really powerful question. There are things that give you energy, Katie, Yes. that are not energizing for me and vice versa. It was kind of a chance to step back and talk to that client about, hey, you know, Cody's really good at this and gets energy from doing these things. I'm more over here doing this 
the complementary elements of that are what serve you well. So I'll turn it around to you. What What are you good at? Uh, I love when you talk about things that give you excitement. I love pretty much anything in the planning realm. I mean, I get mm-hmm. super excited when somebody says, I have this desire to be able to leave this legacy to whatever organization I'm passionate about. How can I work through? How does that fit into the plan? How can my family support something like that at the same time, support ourselves, support our children? Like that whole puzzling together of the different pieces to figure out the plan that's going to work for you and your family, like that stuff gets me super excited. I I love that idea of paying attention to what gets people excited because I think that's something else you can work into your questions. Like you can ask them, what are you good at? What are you excited about? But I think you also need to listen for it too. I think bring up a variety of topics and see where where that spark happens for, for the people sitting across the table from you. How did you respond to that question? What are you good at? So if if I remember it correctly, I think my answer was, I like to be the best filter for knowledge and information that I can be for my clients. Whereas you get energized by kind of the delivery of specifics of their circumstances. I love taking the world and trying to make sense in the context of their lives, being that good filter. This goes kind of back to my military background where I learned early on that I was pretty good at briefing people who are much senior to myself about the information they need to know and when they need to know it. And in finance, it's very similar. If I wanted to regurgitate CNBC or the Wall Street Journal every day, you could go ahead and do that. But that's not helpful when you have a one-hour meeting with a client. So I love the idea of being able to read broadly, communicate well, and make sure that the actionable things are, are focused on at the right time and that a client walks out saying, I know what I need to know and I know the plan going forward. I think that in itself, if you can bring in questions to get to that level is super helpful as well. So, I mean, maybe even test out with the advisor, throw out a couple of topics and it might be an opportunity to learn something. But I think the biggest thing that you're listening for is how easily can they describe concepts in a language, a common language for the both of you. Mm -hmm. So maybe you ask them, tell me how bonds work. That can be a fairly benign question. Great question. But just listening to how they react to that and how simplified or complicated their response is, are you talking the same language? I think probing on a couple of different topics in a couple of different ways, just to see how that communication is going to flow is super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up a great point. So as you're asking these questions, you should be looking for the energy that the advisor has. Are they doing the same boilerplate thing for you that they do for tens, hundreds, who knows how many number of families, and this is just the deliverable that you get to benefit from, or are they energized by this type of conversation? And you pick up on that. So it goes both ways. My wife, Gina, and I used to talk about this all the time. We observe other relationships. We'd say, oh, he's just not that into her. You know, and you remember there was, there was a movie and a book by that title. He's just not that into you. So no, I never read the book. I think you saw parts of the movie. I've seen parts of the movie. I, I, looked, so I looked it up on IMDb. And first of all, you could not put this cast together again. It was Ben Affleck and Jennifer Aniston and Bradley Cooper and Scarlett Johansson. Anyway, but the premise of the book and the movie is that in a successful relationship, there's some pursuit involved. It's not people sitting back passively doing things. There has to be a pursuit in a relationship. Otherwise, he's just not that into you. So you want to look for 
is the advisor really engaged? Is it coming back the other way in these answers to questions and, and, and kind of you feed the energy for the yeah. advisor? You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I've served on, on different nonprofit boards and, and oftentimes there's institutional money that's to be managed. We don't personally manage institutional funds because we love to focus on the family and the family relationships, but to be part of the RFP process, like going out there to select fund managers for the institutional money, I, I was just recollecting back to a time when I did this before. And I remember we, we put out the original RFP to a dozen different firms and there were probably three or four that immediately off the top, we said, nope, that's not it because they didn't read our questions and answer them directly. It just like, mm-hmm. felt like the responses were very canned. And just from the get-go, you could recognize, you know, they really don't care about this. And so paying close attention to that and, and making sure that you have a voice at the table and that whoever you are speaking with to possibly manage the wealth for you and your family that they have an interest, a, a true desire to really see you succeed over the long term. And it's not just transactional. And you know what might be a good indicator of that to figure out if somebody's really into it? How are you growing? Are you yes. growing? Yes. I think sometimes growth is misunderstood sometimes by clients. Mm-hmm. Like, are you becoming too big? Do you have to serve mm-hmm. too many people? And granted, that that's something, the capacity of an advisor is an important question to, to pursue. But we have meetings where we share some of the common experiences between clients. It makes us better. So asking your advisor, are you growing? How do you grow? Who comes to you? Why do they stay? Who leaves you? Why do they leave? Yeah, that's a great set of questions. Once again, I think it also illustrates your your passion for the work that you do and the desire to grow personally, professionally, and for the team to work in a succinct way for the team to have harmony in helping families, because all of those things have to work together in order for a firm to grow successfully. We've been fortunate to have some great growth since we launched the firm five years ago. And it's interesting because our our coach, Steve Sandusky, has has published some information about a lot of advisory firms, when you take out market performance, which assets Mm -hmm. go up, firms grow that way, or mergers and acquisitions, there really isn't a lot of organic growth. So part of what's contributed to our growth as a firm is being able to turn around and tell the stories of the people that we're serving. If one of our families has a question, there are a dozen others who are wondering the same thing. And the same goes for growing is that if we serve one family well, what we've learned from that makes us better for the next person and the next person. So if a firm is growing, it's an indication that that they can communicate their value well. And I think it's a a constant seek for best practices, constant seeking of, of technology and outside of the office to figure out who's doing who's doing this really well and how do we bring some of those best practices here to serve our clients better because growing is it's a function of once again so many different facets of the business running in harmony together and so that seeking of education that seeking of processes that seeking of technology and, and everything else and how to bring it in in the best possible for the end client I think is so important that brings up another question that was floating the other day is how do you stay on top of your game? And this, and I, I think, I think this could cover any number of things because one, how do you stay on top of your game professionally? How do you stay on top of your game personally? And how do you bring that balance to bear for me, the client? Gosh, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> there's a lot in there. Um, there should be. Honestly, Which, there should be a lot in that answer. Yeah. I think I start from the standpoint, let's go back to the growth question for a minute, because when you're growing, serving more families, learning more from each family, and I believe wholeheartedly, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yes. And so I think that constant feeling of there's so much more to learn. And so to be as much of a sponge as I can be for seeing what other advisors are doing, having conversations at conferences, or even yesterday, I had a great conversation with an advisor at a different RIA practice. And, and he actually reached out to say, hey, can we collaborate on some of the services that you're using, the things that you're doing for your clients? And, and so the opportunity to collaborate with other firms, reading, listening, you mentioned Steve Sandusky, our coach, he puts out a wonderful amount of, of different pieces of content. He has a, a couple of podcasts that, that we follow as well, um, between now and success. And then also he has a Barron's podcast, but just there's so much content from people that I respect in the industry, even just picking up the news flow as much as possible. So many different areas to, to learn and, and stay on top of what's happening. First of all, we're, we're an independent firm, so we're not part of multi-thousands of people organization. You almost have to go outside these walls to seek out ideas sometimes. Our community involvement, you mentioned serving on mm -hmm. board of directors for nonprofits, mm -hmm. everything else. I think sitting around a table with really smart women and men from different industries as they make important decisions about meaningful things and have high-level conversations is an important way to inform our leadership, inform our communication. There have been plenty of crises here in the last few years. The nonprofits that have worked through, and you and I have been fortunate to be a sponge at a table as people are making consequential decisions. And that makes us better as leaders. It makes us better as advisors. So it's kind of reaching outside of the industry sometimes to bring in those ideas and, and habits. And I think it's balancing different perspectives too, and, and different sources of information, because we can pick up pieces of information in the news flow. Once again, a lot of things happening. This is 2023 and earlier this year, there was the, I'm going to call it the banking crisis. And so to read about what's happening in the banking systems, but then to go have conversations with a variety of different people that we know within the banking industry to say, okay, how is that showing up for you personally? Mm -hmm. It balances out what we read to what we see to what we hear yes. all together and then bringing some of that forward. I think staying on top of your game is about being well-rounded. I think yes. you, you hit it nail on the head. I think there has to be a level of engagement where you're reaching outside because if it's all about what's happening on the statements, if it's all about what the markets did the other day, there's no context to it. And I think you want to try and determine through good questioning, is your advisor someone who's staying on top of his or her game? What questions shouldn't you ask? What questions don't make the cut or, or, or might not be a good use of your time in trying to find your financial advisor? I mean, I always caution against too many performance specific questions. Those may play a larger role or may be more important when, once again, you're, you're managing institutional money that may have an infinite timeline or endowments that that money is invested forever, theoretically, versus families. If, if you're talking about your own family and your wealth, your performance numbers are going to be more driven by 
what you need as a family, what you're trying to accomplish and, and where your risk level comes into play there, like where your personal risk tolerances are and, and your personal philosophies around money. That's what's going to drive the performance. So I, I wouldn't spend too much time asking how have your portfolios performed, because I don't think that gets at what is going to help you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, be successful in your personal lives. What are some questions that, that you often hear or may hear on occasion from people? I think when anything that veers too far away from the things that you can control, really, it, you know, yeah. we, we talk about our investment philosophies rooted in the things we control, di <laughs> diversification, behavior, cost, all of those things. Mm -hmm. If you start talking about responses to the markets or what's a prediction, what's the market going to do in the right. future? That's just not a good use of time. Frankly, I like the fact that you brought in the humility thing earlier that the more you spend time in this business, the more you realize how little you know. Mm -hmm. And if you start sensing that there's an arrogance or a lack of humility or curiosity in the way that your advisor is speaking about the markets, that should be a little bit of a red flag. Yes. Your advisor should be curious about you and what, what you're trying to do. If there was one word that you would use to describe how someone feels about their advisor when coming out of that initial meeting. Hmm. At the end of the day, like you want to walk away feeling like this person truly has the ability to create a relationship with my family where I know that they are going to care about us. They're going to care about our successes. They're going to care about our outcomes. And I know I'll get a caring response empathy, when I need really. them. Empathy. Yes. Yeah. I, I just kept coming back to, in thinking about the, the outcome or what you're looking for, it's, a, it's about communication, communication going both ways. And when it comes to advisor client communication, it's either intimate and effective or it's not and it's not. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of the questions we talked about today should be fair game to talk about. They're not common questions, a lot of them, but we're going to be revisiting them. We're going to revisit our website, go back through and really create some more vulnerable questions that can be a more effective way to determine if this is the right advisor for you. My closing thoughts would be, as you're going through and you're trying to find a good fit for an advisor for you, to not spend as much time on the nuts and bolts as you might have expected to. If you're in there and, and you're talking to the advisor for an hour and 45 minutes of the time is really just getting to know each other on a personal level, you know they have the credentials, you know that they have a good reputation, you know that they have a, a solid process for what they do, then having those, those softer conversations, I know from our perspective, those are sometimes some of my best moments with clients because it really helps me to better understand what their true intentions are with their wealth, where their passions are, what's going to help fulfill them personally, because that's what your wealth is there for, is that. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoyed getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com.